This is the Adnantech Podcast, conversations about education, technology, and culture, with Dr. Doug Reed and Dr. Matt Stranick. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dr. Doug Reed, and I am located on Abigue, the traditional and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. My name is Dr. Matthew Stranick, and I am located in Manaquisk in St. John, New Brunswick, which is situated on the traditional and unceded territory of the Wulastukyuk Maliseet people. Everybody, hither and yawn, and perhaps especially yawn. I've always had a stronger preference for yawn in that paradigm. I am, as you can see, Matt Intercloud TM Stranick. Uh, those who caught the last episode may remember that in joke. Perhaps not. In any case, uh, I'm here with, as ever, with uh, Dr. Doug Reed for the. Uh, we, we've now definitely hit a record of the most episodes for this in one consecutive kind of period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Hello. So, so are you hearing me, pal? I am. I am. Great. I was trying to throw it over to you, but maybe I'll just kind of make it a little bit more explicit. Um, what's our topic here? Um, because then you can introduce the topic properly, and then I can sort of relate how that relates to my, uh, you know, clever slash sensorily weird background. Okay. Now that we've done 40-some episodes, we actually have some history. So what I want to do tonight is New Year's Eve special, Derelict, Legging, Detsum, and Flotsam Take Two. I want to look at some of the things that we left behind, some of the stuff that sank to the bottom, but we tethered it to say, hey, we're going to come back, or some of the stuff floating on the surface uh, that we've reclaimed and we're going to revisit tonight. That's my hope, because we did take one last year. Now we're doing take two, so I'm pretty excited by that. As ever, Doug, I uh, salute your commitment to this enterprise and your vision and your, uh, I think perhaps more importantly for me, the recursive character of the themes that we keep coming back to. Uh, and it's sort of like, you know, we're doing that intentionally, but it's still ad hoc. So like, as I'm sort of moving closer to uh, monetizing various aspects of our presentation, that gives me a tangible incentive, if you will, to uh, actually, you know, scrape out a transcript based on, you know, the various uh, recordings. Uh, and then, you know, just literally have that as a file. You know, you take out the ums and the ahs, and then suddenly you have like, you know, 40-ish whatever episodes worth of written content 
that's just there to be done with whatever in or further to what's already there in terms of the show notes. I mean, if you qualify a book as something that has 50,000 ish words, I mean, you start sort of just saying, okay, as a textual matter, then does this hit that criteria? I'm willing to get yes, because we're both Maritimers and we both have, there's half of a century's worth of experience and eight post-secondary degrees up here, right? So I, I think we could potentially turn that into a textual document and then either A, generously give it away as an OER, or B, monetize the crap out of it, or C, both. Um, Doug, what yeah. do you think of my plans? Like, this is my brain. Like this is what plans. I think of your brain. Okay, okay, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Right, so this is the detritus behind me. I literally, I was like, I, I went into AI, I went into Bing, as I think I mentioned pretty much every show lately. I'll probably just stop with that aspect of it. I asked the AI, I asked my local AI, I was like, I would like digital flotsam and jetsam. And it came up with something that was so psychedelically colored, like it hurt my whole like, and like, so I was like, digital flotsam and jetsam black and white and then suddenly okay okay there's things i can appreciate about this somehow so anyway man it's all one big technological metaphor or something so why don't you take us through to uh, your uh, first uh, source here bud on the uh, the pile of sources right on what we did this year is a lot of stuff we covered a lot of topics and as we talked, because a lot of this is not scripted, just in case any listeners thinking we had this scripted, we did not. No, sorry, Bob. And every time it's like, we should come back to this, I write it down because I can't help myself. That's part of who I am. And some of the things that we come back to aren't big enough to be a whole episode, at least in my humble opinion. But they're really good for, let's have like a five-minute chat about it. Like if we had a an Ent Light, like L-I-T-E, the smaller version, like or the Ent on a Diet, <laughs> where we talk for 10 minutes, it'd be, that would fit perfectly well. So I'm going to mush a bunch of things into this end-of-the-year episode. And, and I'm going to ask you some questions at the end about what you think the highlights were and what some of the challenges were and what we're going to do going forward. But I'm not going to do that for about 20 minutes. So I've just given you a heads up that I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions. No pressure. No pressure at all. I found there's some articles with the way language is used that just make me feel good, which is why I go and look for a lot of articles outside of the, the typical westernized, capitalized, infrastructure or post-secondary in academia. But there's, there's a Schwartz 2008 article about the importance of stupidity in scientific research. And oh my it God. It feel I, so good. When I saw that, like, I was just like, this is going to be fruitful. This whole, like, you know, it's like, yes, that expresses my whole modus operandi. I mean, I could bring it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Stupid in praise of stupidity, more 
Dear peer-reviewed scientific community, more stupidity-themed papers, please, and thank you. Signed, the educationalists. Sorry, Doug. Just yes, yeah, no. So many people get into their groove and they become the experts, and then you have to call them Doctor So and So or Professor So and So when you talk to them because they're in Australia. It's called buying tickets on yourself. It means you've got a big ego and. It's what they call it. You buy tickets on yourself. Like you buy tickets to go to the circus or you buy tickets to go to the theater. You buy tickets on yourself if you have an overinflated sense of importance. But they never let themselves be stupid again. And I think that it's important to have ignorance. You can't ask the good questions if you already know the answers. And being ignorant means you're in an awkward position. You you don't know what you don't know. So it allows people to bumble along. It's okay to be wrong and okay to say, I don't know what's going on. And it's fine as long as we're learning stuff. If we're just bumbling around, being stupid, I don't see how that's helpful. But if we're learning things at every point, good. How else do we learn? So I really loved the Schwartz article. And it was at the Journal of Cell Science. Like, this is a hardcore science journal. This isn't one of those artsy-fartsy, airy, fairy, social sciences. Man, <laughs> I know you're being, I, I know you mean that in, like, a facetious manner. But, like, please, the world is a hard enough place as it is without even pretending to heap scorn on the social sciences. Because those people just get, like, well, it isn't even really science, is it? Like, just at every turn. And, I mean, as any science should, it should be able, it should, it can, it does withstand such, you know, fuckery. But still, it's just like, man, empirical science or go home. Like, just, just yeah, anyway. Whatever I yeah, said I about uh, Trump and nuclear weapons, I mean, that's my next step on this. So just. <laughs> yes, I find not knowing things to be good as a motivator to move forward, which is part of my lifelong learning. And I know you have learned a ton of things, a metric ton of things in the last two years with all we've learned about how to do this podcast and how to get it rolling and all the technical sides and the ins and outs and all that and the troubleshooting that you've done. So I'm really enjoying somebody saying, yeah, it's okay to be stupid because you'll get there. We took paraphrase. Said, Go ahead. I, I just, I, I got to throw this in because I know you'll appreciate it to paraphrase a great modern songwriter by the name of one, Alfred Yankovic, it's okay. You can dare to be stupid. Dare to be stupid. Dare to be stupid. Okay. Thank you. Please continue. Yeah. He's, yeah. Weird Al is one of my favorite uh, performers. I I've knew you would know. I've never seen him live, but I'd like to. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to say, I don't know, but let's still find out. Especially as an educator, 
the number of times I've told students, I don't know, but let's find out. And then we go find out and we create the knowledge together. That's win-win. That's everybody's learning more. And then the students get to learn how I structure education and how I learn and create knowledge for myself. And then that might be something that they can copy. So it's win-win for me as a, as an educator. So productive stupidity, it was just such a great term. Such a, such a great term. It just tickled me a little. That's rad. Now I'm going to I jump, like it. I'm going to jump ahead. What do you like? Please do. The productive stupidity part, or the simplifying part? Oh no! Do go on, good sir. What you are saying is fine and well, and I do quite approve of a transition of sorts into the next topic on this unscripted podcast, if you <laughs> so would choose. This is where the implicit communication stumbled on top of the explicit expression of that. It's like, you know, in-person body language, like just, oh, oh, just, oh, you know, and, and just, you know, you forget sometimes the format. You figure, oh, it's a visual format, you know, but so anyway, folks, that was literally a thing about nothing, literally, interstitially. Doug, please go ahead, please. Okay. In 2009, back in ancient times with podcasting, Panday wrote an article called Simplifying Podcasting. And one of the big questions Panday asked is, why should I get into this complex process of podcasting? And that is such a key. We talked about for a few episodes now, how we've done it, the technical struggles that we've had, just the timing struggles, the us going back and forth. We know how complicated it is. But when I look at questions like, why should I get into this complex process of podcasting? It is exactly the same as what I've heard authors say. When people say, oh, why did you get into writing novels or why did you get into writing stories? And the answer so often is because I couldn't not write the story. The story was in me and it had to come out. So I had to do it. And people don't, an author's life is hard. An educator's life is hard too. They don't do it because it's simple. They do it because that's who they are and that's what they're doing. And that makes a world of difference with what we're doing. So why did we get in? We had a story to tell. We had information to share. We had things we wanted to learn. And it was the right time in both our lives. That's my answer. I'm not sure what your answer is. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But this hasn't been easy, but we're still doing it a year and a half later. What are your thoughts? I agree with everything my senior colleague just said, implicitly, explicitly, internally, externally, exteriorly, laterally. That's all I got, man. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Um, honestly, though, um, I appreciate the sentiment uh, and certainly... 
learning by doing is much better than sort of just sitting there wishing you could do something or not even really knowing what you're capable of until you get started with something. Um, I appreciate your throwing out to the uh, writer profession simply because, I mean, I mean, I'm not like, I, I think the whole notion of like the person who like sits down and is like a paid novelist as like their full-time thing. I, I think actually like that's, you, you, you know, there's probably more people who are like, like gopher farmers there's probably like more people like who like actually grind that particular trade and make a somewhat decent living at it. Like, I mean, it's, it's just kind of like every, you know, so the, the idea with the right creed, you know, people, the, the Canadian novelist, I think the ideal for a lot of folks is like you get in, you get in as a uh, working for a creative writing faculty at UBC or which I think actually has a really good program for some of these others uh, and then it's sort of like the ideal kind of thing. You get to, you know, write, you get time, you get, you know, a comfortable lifestyle, respect, accolades and whatnot. And further to that, you sort of get to actually roll into the world of being an educator. Um, and uh, I've taken a couple of creative writing classes. And I mean, again, nothing I've written as a quantity of writing has ever made me zip or likely ever will. However, that being said, uh, as a language enthusiast, as a language teacher, as somebody who does a lot of writing, as a, somebody whose kids are kind of involved in various artistic enterprises and whatnot, as part of just really being a function of a, being a human, uh, education and written expression are just so twinned uh, in the consciousness. Uh, it's just like strands of the same survivalist DNA that sort of separated our line from, you know, various other proto-human and other kinds of primates that didn't quite make it off to the, be the dominant aspect, even though they may have coexisted at the same time. <sighs> Dude, I'm so far into the weeds. <laughs> uh, that is my reaction to what Doug has said. Thank you. Hey, no problem. And... One thing I really enjoy with us getting into the podcasting is we're yep. out there. We're putting it out there. It's on all these different services. If you want to see our faces, you can go to YouTube. You can go to the website. And we're out there. And it Pretty just reminds me of one of those quotes from Brene Brown. And she made a comment about... Uh, being in the arena and doing it. And the comment goes something like, why would you listen to anybody who's not getting their ass kicked in the arena? Right? You want to do it, you go do it. And just the way she phrases it is so much better than the way I just mangled it. But sure. we're putting ourselves out there. We want the feedback. We want the commentary. When we got not even like critical feedback, like, hey, the audio is X, Y, or Z, or how come you have those nervous ticks? You said I like how many times? And we've adjusted. We've take, take, taken it on board, and we've improved things. <laughs> we, we've rolled with it. It's, it's like when you're sailing. A poor sailor will go out and try to get to a point and think, no, that wind's too heavy, or I can't get there, or whatever. 
a good sailor adjusts their sails. You can't control the wind. You can't adjust your sails. So it's, yeah, if you ever try to go sailing, you can never get to that point. I've never been able to go in a straight line from point A to point B. You have to go this way for a while, go off the wind, then you tack or jive, and then come the other way. It's like life. You never get directly to where you're going. At least I've never got directly to where I've tried to go. I've, I've had to tack and jive to get to wherever it happens to be. So this is the same way. We're putting ourselves out there. We're opening ourselves up for criticism. We've had some. We've had a lot more positive comments. So I think it's wonderful. And that's where I was at in my life. And I wanted to share what I knew. That's radical, man. I really appreciate all that. It's uh, been a very rewarding journey to, uh, you know, uh, follow this along to the extent that we have. Um, so please to uh, be here yeah. and uh, please to uh, engage with uh, whomever uh, may check this out on a regular basis uh, or an irregular basis or an unregular basis or a subregular <laughs> basis. Oh, man. Oh, man. Anyways. Okay. <sighs> Word on the street is the holidays are leaning a bit long at this point. Anyway, dude. Um, so where does that put us next on the reference list here, chum? I'm just going to scroll over to the, the next on the reference list is a piece of legging. This is legging that I've tried to fit in a couple of times and it's, it's that piece of cargo that fell off the boat, but we tagged it. Okay. So we know where it is in the cove, and we know we're going to come back to it. That is an exquisite metaphor, the by the way, pal. Exquisitely oh, articulated metaphor. So so what's the source we're looking at here? Is this the Melancova? Melancova, Melancova, Lenzakova, and Menov right. from 2022. Digital Aspects of Modern Society and Educational Realities. And one thing I love about the articles that are not the very typical westernized structure. It, they say things that just bluntly so often, which is great. The digitization of education is happening. It's happening right now. I can't remember the last time somebody handed me a piece of paper to sign, and I was okay with that. It was like, no, send me something electronically. I, I don't want to take a piece of paper. What, what do I do with this piece of paper? I don't have a full, I, where am I going to put this, right? I go through all of those things because everything's electronic now. It's like if I took my, my car to the gas station to get gas and they said, oh, how many rods to the hogshead does your car get for mileage? Why would I jump back? into olden times to do that when we've moved forward <laughs> and rods and hogsheads are part of the old uh, imperial system those are i have not a single system. doubt in my mind that's the case <laughs> but Melinkova et al talk about the, <clears throat> how the process of digitizing works and it depends on the preparation of the teachers to work in the environment and the technological state of the environment. Those two things have to go together. One is technical that you can pay for, or you can hire consultants, or you can bring another device in. 
but the preparation of the teachers seems to be what's missing so often. How often have we sat in meetings where some guy is at the back with his arms crossed saying, I'm not learning anything. I did all that 30 years ago. I'm not doing it again. Or, or the brand new teachers that are keen and energetic and they don't have classroom management down yet. So until they get the classroom management down, they're going to be exhausted. And we have to find that balance. We have to find that, that group of teachers that's like three to eight years in the field because then they've got the energy and they've got the flow and they know what's going on. But a lot of those people leave. A lot less than, way less than half of all teachers make it to five years. They leave. So part of our struggle right now is dealing with how do we get the teachers prepared? How do we get the teachers on board? How do we manage their workloads? And not just throw busy work at them every September or the start of every, in Australia, I guess it's February. So every February or every September, are we hitting them with more stuff that they know isn't going to last? Or is this the latest, greatest initiative? How do we help them more? And we have touched upon that a lot, but I just really wanted to come back and make sure that I'd uh, put a nail in that to make sure it's attached to the wall now. Do you got any thoughts on that? It sounds radical, dude. And again, um, I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm trying to be mindful of a giving uh, my colleague <laughs> full expression of uh, his thoughts because, you know, uh, one thing I've, I've done in the past is kind of just jump in on a conversation, even in my real life, my personal life, if you can imagine. So that's one thing. And the other is, too, we've had such variability in terms of buffering and delay at both ends over the time. And I'm like, if I you know, overload, you know, by say adding just my voice on top of yours and then try and get the internet to cooperate and then StreamYard to cooperate. It just, it's, it's going to minimize it, it, it. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, um, that being said, <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, you just described all this. You just described it. You're talking about, the technological state of the learning environment. You just described oh, their learning environment and why we just had to pause there. So thank you. That was awesome. That was a high five directed at you or anybody who happens yeah. to be watching my side of the screen. That's uh... So do you got anything else on that topic? Not particularly, but thanks, man. Okay. And because it's the end of the year and we thought we were going to record this on New Year's Eve, I threw an old one in because I, I, am a, I have a history degree. And Patronus from 66 AD, the truth is that teachers aren't to blame for these practices. They are in a madhouse and they must rave to be understood. I have been that teacher where I haven't wanted to do this thing. And afterwards, I couldn't believe that I did that thing. But that's what needed to happen to have some learning happen. 
And it's how can we help? How can we build the structure to help make educators' lives easier and make it easier for students to learn and to learn more fully and create their own knowledge? I'm wondering if you're going to disagree with Petronius now. Um, well, I mean, it's uh, it would be hard to. I mean, it's just uh, the human condition as we've uh, come to know it uh, sort of coincides with such knowledge being transmittable in whatever format that we came to even be aware of, i.e. somebody named Patronus from 69, whatever. So, I mean, you know, the... The, the level of human, or I, I guess I shouldn't even say human, the level, the level of biological evolution uh, has unfolded over millions of years, you know, eons upon millennia. And like human modern consciousness, such that we even, you know, recognize as a phenomena. I mean, you go, oh, 2,000 years ago, freaking long time ago. No, no, that is just like, a bubble popping in, you know, just the void in terms of the amount of time that is in terms of human. This is just an aberration, human consciousness, really. Um, you know, whether it's persistent, whether it has a higher function or other, that's not for debate. If you just look at how new human consciousness is as a phenomena, as a thing, compared to the whole no. It's so microscopically small, you can you, you can barely scope it. You can barely quantify it. So um, I guess that's kind of where that thinking, level of thinking puts it to me. I'm glad to know school teachers felt they faced the same, I guess, professional development issues. I'll tell you, this is kind of a, an opportune time as any. Uh, we talked about how in a previous episode, how we wanted and will, we shall, we're gonna get back into the freer, the Apollo freer, if you know what I mean there. And I'm going to just keep them there next to the uh, old computing machine for next uh, purposes with this. Um, but going back to, you know, the, uh, the old stuff, um, my awesome girlfriend, Paula, got me a uh, paperback penguin edition of uh, Meditations, which uh, it just so happens that me kind of being as on about this stuff as I have been, it's really, it was, it was like mid to late January, actually, chronologically, where I just happened to be like just reading something, you know, and that led to stoicism, and then that led to, you know, Marcus, and uh, I've been reading a pretty, you know, feeble translation. And uh, anyway, speaking of literature, these kinds of issues, education for sure, um, coming out, it's just, uh, it's as old and as young as uh, the human condition, however you choose to define it. So I uh, quite appreciated Seeing that one, I, I, I wasn't. I, I knew you weren't just being glib. I'm like, this is actually legit. So, yeah, man. Um, so, what else we got here? I mean, besides, I mean, 
what other random what, what other randomness can we add to this already pretty randomish episode? So those are all the quotes that I had that I really yeah. wanted to bring up because I just love saying Langan. I just love it. I love flotsam. And everything else, just for the, the listeners, if you end up going to the website, I have all kinds of cute little images that really help encapsulate where we're at. Because I have a digital clutter problem. And this podcast has helped me share some of my digital clutter. Because I have articles here that are over 20 years old that I've had on various computers. I look at it now, and it's about seven different computers these files have been on that I just keep saving and bringing them forward. And one of the images I have is the old Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they found the Ark of the Covenant, and the, the, the movie ends with somebody just pushing it into a warehouse full of boxes. Oh. And what I've got is just download another PDF for my computer that I aspire to read. And I have gone through in the past year and looked at so many PDFs I was going to look at on a rainy day. So it's good. I've actually got to some of them, not all of them, but I've taken a chunk out of the to be read list. So that, that I really enjoyed. And one other little story or a little picture I want to share is about what are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Because we've talked about society's impacts. And the little it's a little cartoon, and it's a wizard. Pull the sword from the stone and become the new king. And then somebody walks up and is like, is there any other jobs? Uh, get the cat out of the tree and become the new librarian. And somebody's super happy to get the cat out of the tree and become the new librarian. Oh. I don't want to be the king. That's, yeah, it is an all kind of thing. I've had to adjust. I was in the rat race. It's okay, yeah. Get into post-secondary, get tenure, climb the ladder. Well, I climbed the ladder twice. And both times, it, the ladder got kicked out from underneath me. And it's like, this bites. I don't want to do that. I'm very happy to get the cat out of the tree and become the librarian. I'm I know nobody else understands until they get to a certain point or certain things happen, but that's all I want. Like right now I'm happily married and I have two dogs and we walk every day and I add another video to Instagram of us walking. It's been far too long since we've spoken of your videos of your dogs, Doug, I got to say. Yeah, I'm over 700 videos now of, of them walking. What? What? Yeah. Man. I, I mean. I, and you're right. I try to do it every day, but it's like three or four times a week I actually do it, depending. And I'm super happy with that. That's bang on. I'd love to be the, the new librarian and have the cat and the dog sitting there and do that help people learn, help people with whatever their goals are. I will be honest with you here somewhat, uh, somewhat facetious, somewhat truthful, since we're, since we're, seems like we're sort of winding down almost. Um, one thing I'll just say is like, one of the reasons I got into online and distance-based education is I did have sort of a vision of being able to 
pivot, if you will, to a point in my career where, yeah, I teach from the beach. I did think towards the end of my career, teach from the beach, duly compensated as a professional teaching in any circumstance, right? Um, it was just kind of, yeah. and just through, it's, it's, whoo, Thompson Rivers is, Kamloops is pretty far from the beach, pretty far from the beach, but sometimes it's good to know where the beach isn't, right? So um, I'm, uh, there's lots of shoreline where I am now. I can actually, one of the, just the fact that my part of St. John, my part of uptown, there's a few spots because it's on a peninsula that I can sort of be walking at a certain intersection and I can be basically looking north, you know, down one four-way part of the intersection or uh, west, uh, you know, through. And just because of the proximity to the shoreline, you know, at a four-way intersection, two of them have views of the ocean. I'm like, that's kind of neat to me in my world. And that's very neat. Yeah, man. And I mean, I got a pretty satisfying apartment at this point. It's it's. It's, I'm getting I'm getting such a good deal compared to what I'm paying for it, uh, and my landlords they're they're a married couple who are just the most awesome people in the world actually, um, and uh, you know some things have kind of settled out uh, in my personal life. Uh, shout out to my girlfriend Paula who bought me the Marcus Aurelius uh, book and uh, it's very cool for me lately. So I do kind of like this opportunity at the end here just to kind of. Take stock of the whole situation as you just kind of did with your deal. It's, uh, you know, um, now if I can just find a way to somehow be able to spend roughly 30% of my time in easy proximity of my kids, that's kind of my next ed tech professional trick if I can leverage that. But, uh, you know, you just kind of take what's within your control and uh, do it to the best of your ability. And, uh, some things happen right away, and then other things take a bit more finagling. So, anyway, man, um, we're talking about uh, the, of course, of course, the word and the phrase and the question of the podcast, which I did not see in that Google Doc initially, bud. So why don't you tell me what they are? The word of the podcast is lagging, because I just love that word. When I discovered it, it's like when a kid learns a word and they say it over and over and over and over again. That just always makes me feel good because I didn't know okay. what that word till I was in my fifties. And that's something that's fallen off a boat and, but it's tagged. There's a tag on it somehow to say, Hey, I'll come back for this. I'll remember where this is. The phrase of the podcast is productive stupidity. I really yeah. like that concept of it's okay to not know. It's okay to be oh, ignorant because you're moving forward to learn more. It's part of lifelong learning. And the question of the podcast is how can educators adapt to seemingly ever-changing needs in a healthy, productive way? Because things are going to change. So how do we adjust? We listened to what happened in 66 AD. We're still changing. We're still adapting. And we need oh, sorry, sorry, adapt. dude. Sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. Um, how can educators adapt to seemingly ever-changing needs in a healthy, productive way? In a healthy, comma, productive way? Yes. 
Fabuloso. All right. Well, um, I think that's good. Um, that's good. <laughs> For those of you who are playing along at home, um, that's the third one of these we've recorded since uh, mid-afternoon. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, it's, it's, it's the wardrobe change and the uh, AI background change that's kind of keeping this vital for me. <laughs> so I suppose yet we may try and do another one of these. We have like an uploading thing where like it takes – anyway, it takes StreamYard because of our weird maritime internet thing that uh, at Doug's end it takes about an hour to upload the local recording. But – from my perspective, that's extremely helpful because before, if I was using, you know, some other kind of app that just had one sort of thing for all of the recording, one widget you were trying to end up with a flawed or damaged connection or something you couldn't use. So um, to that end, we shall adjourn perhaps even slightly early to give this uh inter-cloud TM system the opportunity to do what it needs to do, unless there's uh, anything else here, pal. Happy New Year to any of the listeners, and we'll see you in 2024. Try to run, try to hide, break on through to the other side. That's from a poem that I'm working on. <laughs> Bye! Bye-bye.